0: Stop by Platt. And here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams. Put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Good evening, and welcome back to the brand new football podcast. That sums it all up. This is your host, Alfie Steiner. I hope you are well. It's certainly nice that the international break is now over. We can all return our focus to the domestic football we all know and love, unless you lose 1-0 to Manchester City. Last week's show saw my lovely guests, Johnny Rosen and I, thrash out all things Arsenal-related. You can find that rendition of the podcast on freshair.radio or on my mixed Link will be in the description on whatever platform you are listening to listening to this. And yes, there will be some Arsenal chatter on today's podcast in light of Arsenal's 1-0 loss to Manchester City yesterday. But there were luckily, fortunately for us, there were some excellent games on yesterday. So my guest and I will discuss discuss, dissect, and delve deep into Saturday's four Premier League fixtures. Briefly preview Sunday's games, i.e. today is the day of recording's games, and look ahead to the return of the Champions League over the coming week. Do let us know if you're tuned in. You can find me on Twitter at alfiesteiner1. If you've got any questions, comments, or anything else you fancy, drop me a tweet, drop me a message, and I'll make sure to address it in next week's show. Anyway, today, Sunday the 18th of October for me, and you'll be listening on Tuesday the 20th of October. The Premier League is back. European football is fast upon us. There's plenty to talk about, plenty to preview, review and debate. And with me today, we welcome onto the podcast, none other than Mr. Max Akas, or as he was once named on one of his social media accounts back in the day. And he'll have to remind me of this. Max Guna something rather, I think it was. Welcome, Max. Good evening, my friend. How are we on this fine October Eve? I'm doing well. It's been a great weekend of football so far. Yeah, lots to talk about. But, um... Lots to talk about. We'll get on to the Arsenal game, but there were both positives and negatives to take from it. But yeah, it was a really cracking game, game week, um, especially in the context of, you know, it's always quite nice to come back to the Premier League and you're like, oh, it's going to be really exciting. And then when it is actually really exciting, you're like, this is why we hate the international break and we yeah. love the Premier League. Especially,
1: especially starting off with that Merseyside
0: derby, which was... Yeah, mate, it was crazy. It was a bit, a bit of a madness. But I guess we're getting a bit used to these, these, these stupidly crazy games. But just before we get into the football, how are you? How's, uh, how's Brighton Town treating you?
1: Yeah, it's you right It's, there? it's,
0: it's obviously a, it's
1: a strange time to be at university. It is a strange but, time.
0: Uh, yeah, to be at university in inverted commas.
1: I've been playing football recently quite a lot, but then someone on my team tested positive, so oh no, try to be at home a little bit.
0: Be careful. Like, stay at home, stay safe, and save lives. That's what you're doing, aren't you?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. But yeah, no, it's 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 just strange, but I'm enjoying it, and uh, I've got a good house over here. Good, good yeah. people. Um, so Excellent. Well.
0: Wonderful. Um, and how did you find the the international break? I'm, I'm sure you're as relieved as I am that uh, the Premier League and and normal football, normal service has resumed. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. I mean. England would been pretty shocking to watch, to be honest. Um, it just, you
0: know, what I tuned into one of the England games, and it it reminded me of just why I never really care about watching England. It was just dull.
1: No, I mean, I, I only look forward to the big competitions, but all these games that kind of split up the Premier League, it just, especially the contrast between the drama of the Premier League and yeah. the dullness of the international break. It's yeah, not for me. But at least we had to fill that void, the excitement. Of Thomas Party arriving, absolutely, and um, absolutely. yeah, yeah, I used up those two weeks watching plenty of party <laughs> videos. Also, all the social media content on the Arsenal oh, page. You've got to love thing, it. Um, into a little bit embarrassing at times, but you know we have a right to be excited. I think. I
0: don't. I don't know if if you've had the pleasure of watching um, the music artist Donayo's new uh, Thomas Party uh, song. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas Party Donayo. Yeah, slightly embarrassing. You know, that's Arsenal fans for you. But you know there's what? You've got to embrace nice. it. <laughs> yeah, we're great, yeah. aren't we? So, <laughs> such good lads. But yeah, no, it's it, it's great to be back to to normality. I mean, to be fair, yeah. we've got about I think four weeks, and then there's another international break. I was very close to swearing there, but we don't swear online because I abide by the fresh air rules. So that's that's very nice. Well done me. Um, avoid it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the uh, the international break. Uh, to be fair, I did quite like. Because in the normal football context, I'm so absorbed and obsessed with, you know, I'm constantly reading, uh, uh, listening, checking Twitter, addicted to Twitter and fantasy football. And it was quite a nice pause, to be honest. And I felt slightly, um... slightly, slightly reinvigorated uh, when it a few days ago and I was like, right. Now it's it's we're back and I've had a, yeah. a, a breath of fresh air and um
1: <laughs> no, yeah. I definitely definitely needed a little break from fantasy, needed to regroup the lads because it's been yeah. a four start. If and if you don't know, we've got a kind of a, a league from school and
0: I'm languishing at the the bottom <laughs> of the table right now. It's been um, a tough start for everyone, though. I've had I, I had a good couple of game weeks, and then it, it went uh, pear shaped. And I know. Oh, and you, sure. we're, anyway, we're not going to get into it because okay. I could spend a whole yeah. hour just spend, absolutely venting months. my frustrations and, yeah. and all sorts. Anyway, before we get into into the into the into the meaty the meaty part of the podcast, just want to do a nice quick and official introduction to you on the on the podcast because I'm sure you'll be back at some point if all goes well. Me and well, I'll call you Max, but I I know you as Acast. So ACAS and I's Arsenal connection goes back quite a long way now. Both big group gooners growing up in our respective households, became good mates secondary school, had the pleasure of accompanying him to the Emirates on plenty of occasions. And was it? It was probably the period spanning, what, 2013, 14 season to like 15, 16. So a good couple couple yeah. seasons of uh, getting the call up from, from ACAS on a Wednesday I evening uh, to those Champions League games. Oh, how, yeah, how God, there were some,
1: there was some, some bad nights. What, oh. what will we do to be struggling in the Champions League again? Hey, um, yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's, very true. It's far rather <laughs> that than playing Rapid Vienna at five fifty-five this Thursday. Yeah, sure, but we'll come on to there. We are, 15. we are where we are. Anywho, back to back to ACAS and I's uh, football footballing career and our, our friendship <laughs> based around football. Uh yeah, we used to play together for the UCS four teams, what, what what days out those were, battling out on V fifteen, watching Arsenal together. As you say, there have been some great days and absolutely terrible days. I remember in that 2013-14 season, I came to yours to watch both Arsene Wenger's a thousandth game in charge where we lost six 0 to uh, Chelsea, God. and we also lost was it five nil to five one to Liverpool. Change in that season,
1: I remember we were we were top, and then we we yeah, as yeah. always crumbled
0: and Capit- capitulated you know. and crumbled and and yeah. well did d- 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 what we um, were classically renowned for doing. Um, but yeah, as 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 you can imagine. Uh, we always have plenty to talk about football-wise, so it's a pleasure to have you on to the podcast. I'm sure you'll be a regular fixture, and thank you very much for joining me. So, yesterday's fixtures, Saturday. Did you? Uh, which ones did you watch? Did you watch all of them?
1: Um, well, yeah, I, I, so I watched the Liverpool game, of course, um, which was great, but then I, I, was, I wasn't willing to fork out that 14.95. Um, hey, bargain, why
0: didn't you do that?
1: Yeah, and it, it was a great game in the end, but I can not I c I can't I can't do that. 1495 and then also for the United game later. I'm not paying that much to watch Chelsea on United play. No, you know, Chelsea right. game was was good in the end. But I've watched the highlight. I mean it's classic Chelsea really. I think it's obviously good for them that Werner and Havertz getting off the mark, especially Werner. Um Absolutely. give them a lot of confidence going forwards. But they look so shaky at the back. I mean, that second goal. From Southampton. Mate. Well, I'll
0: tell you what, we'll we'll, we'll get on to it. Um, just for our okay. listeners, we're so yes, yesterday, which was Saturday, there was the early kickoff Merseyside derby between Liverpool and Everton that ended 2 2. Uh, Chelsea Southampton, which ended three apiece. Then Arsenal lost 1 0 to Manchester City at the Etihad, and United managed to. Thump Newcastle at St James, well it's not even St James Park anymore, isn't it? The Sports Direct Stadium or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, 4-1 with a late flurry of goals from the excellent Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford, but we'll get on to that. Uh, the obvious place to start for us as we're both big Arsenal fans would be Arsenal, mm-hmm. but we're actually going to start with the side derby. Uh, it ended 2-2, as I said, albeit with a late Liverpool winner being ruled out by virtue of a hair-length offside. I, my head was in my hands because it was such a great game, such intense energy, such a brilliant sporting spectacle. And then mm-hmm. you have, you know, just the margin of that. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Was it was it, uh, Robertson Money. or Manet? Mane. Yeah, Mane offside, wow. played a delightful ball into Man, Henderson. Yeah. The shoulder, and then he the shoulder, yeah. a shoulder offside, and it was disallowed. And it ended 2-2, perhaps a fair reflection. I thought Liverpool were slightly more deserving of a win. But, you know, spoil shared. Perhaps that's that's what was meant to happen. Just wanted to talk about Liverpool quickly. Mane was back in after his COVID test. Him and Salah's goals were both excellent. Those two just really are quite something. Uh, every time I watch Mane... To be fair, he just looks, I know you've said this before, he looks so dangerous. And Salah can obviously pop up with a goal out of nowhere. You see his strike yesterday, how cleanly he hits it. But those two are excellent. Van Dijk's injury, slightly worrying for them. There's been new, well, rumours that he might be out for six, seven months, uh, seven to eight months, sorry, with with an anterior cruciate ligament. So that would be, along with Alisson, who I think will come back soon from injury. Slightly troubling times for them at the back, perhaps. Uh, Thiago, as well, went for a scam for his knee after that horrendous tackle from Richarlison. But he was named man of the match. An excellent performance from him. What did you make of Liverpool overall yesterday? Um, were they unlucky to not win the game? And mm. then we'll get on to the to the talking points in terms of the shocking challenges and, and goals and whatnot. But yeah, your general sense of, of Liverpool yesterday.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think the game actually panned out how I... Would have expected it because um, Liverpool obviously dominated possession most of the time, looked the stronger side, but Everton stayed in the game, got their couple of goals when they when they needed to. Um, mm. But I think it also shows that you know Liverpool last season were just you know, imperious every single game, mm. whoever it was. But it does show that they they can be competed with this season, and Everton did that yesterday. I think Liverpool were unlucky; things could have definitely gone the other way, but. But, you know, I think um, Everton did what they had to do. They need you always need a bit of luck against Liverpool, and that's what they had. Um And Calvert Lewin popped up again. Um you, knew, you know that he was sizing sizing the other defenders up, and he's always yeah. got them for that header. Um, Mate, great, that that leap. To I
0: mean, it's it's a compliment to him, but I actually, you know, it's such a a relevant compliment to him that he he the way he hangs in the air when he jumps for a header. It is. The only person I've seen do it like him is Ronaldo, Ronaldo. and he yeah. is so dominant and powerful with his leap and the way that he, he leapt yesterday and planted that header down into the bottom left corner, sort of across the keeper. It was a really excellent goal, proper old school, just brilliant centre forward play. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was watching it with a few, of my, a few of the boys and we were all just round of applause. We absolutely loved it. And obviously in the context <laughs> of Calvert-Lewin sort of, you know, he's scored in every game he's played, I'm pretty sure, this season. And, yeah. you know, he made his England debut. He, yeah. You know, I, I don't think Everton are, are a team that necessarily inspire people to be like, sort of resentful about them. I think people quite like yeah. Everton. People like Hammers Rodriguez. Carlo Ancelotti is quite a, an ins- inspirational character. It's quite nice to have him in the Premier League. So I think people in, quite enjoy Everton's resurgence under him. But I just want to talk quickly about we spoke about Lewin's header get on to a couple of tackles obviously Richarlison got sent off for the tackle against tiago jordan pickford who i think i was saying yesterday if i was an everton fan and pickford was my starting keeper i think at one point i probably would have quite liked him he'd be that you know class clown sort of figure he's 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 a good player he's he's very sort of takes himself very seriously but actually will make a mistake too many but I think he he's a liability, and I really really disliked that tackle yesterday. Just to, obviously, mm. in, a, in an objective sense, it was a terrible challenge. But the way that he just absolutely took Van Dyke out, um, and now you know we could see one of the best defenders in the league, well, the best centre back in the league, out for perhaps the duration of the season. Um, hopefully not. But then nothing, nothing, nothing given by the ref because uh, he was deemed offside. What do you think about that tackle? Uh, and should he have been, I mean, penalised for it?
1: Well, yeah, no, I think yesterday's game summed up Pickford quite well, actually. And I think it showed that you know he made some outstanding saves. Actually, he and did. The reactions he did. Were, were really good, but I think but that's why right he's now, good, he's, isn't he? Yeah, and obviously, as a, as a keeper, you you can't make mistakes. Um, but but I do think that he's a little bit nervous at the moment, under a lot of pressure. A lot of people don't agree with him. He put it in the England team. I think Southgate's shown him a bit of faith, but I also wonder whether Ancelotti might, at some point, just want to take him out of the limelight a little bit, a little bit like Maguire actually at United.
0: Mm, yeah, um, he did get a goal yesterday,
1: but like Pickford looking a bit, he's a little bit shaky at the moment, and I feel like I feel like that challenge on Van Dyke wasn't. I know he, he does he does have this air about him, Pickford, where he's kind of um, looks a bit ratty sometimes, um, but I think he was actually just a bit nervous. I think that challenge on Van Dyke was, he was mm. panicked. He panicked and I do not think he was malicious yeah. um mm. but obviously controversial obviously it happened after an offside decision had been given I don't know what you thought about that um, well
0: I, I'm you know my uh, you were watching the replays and we were thinking oh could it be a penalty maybe Van Dyke was on side and then obviously it was it was deemed offside and there was no card and then my first question was while well, players can still get yellow cards and red cards you know, after half-time, full-time, whatever. Surely if that's a a really dangerous tackle, and it was, it was high, Van Dijk's leg was planted. As you say, it did look like he was panicked and I can give him some sort of sympathy with that. It was early doors. I think Everton were 1-0 down at that point. And Mm. obviously Pickler's been under a lot of pressure, so I could see why he might want to fly out the blocks like that, just sort of a rush of blood to the head. But when you actually look back at that tackle, and you 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 can contextualize what jordan pickford is like we know he's reckless and rash and can can make big mistakes but this was a you know he 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 might have seriously injured van dijk and so i i i think he's very lucky to escape a red card i would have liked to have seen at least a yellow for that because i understand maybe it's it's early in the game but i don't really understand why he doesn't he didn't get a uh, you know, VAR didn't review that and, and be in the referee's ear and say, this, this guy's been a really dangerous tackle. You know, it, I, I don't think it was necessarily as obviously bad as uh, Richarlison's, which really made me feel a bit sick. I thought it was a disgusting yeah. tackle. And I'm, you know, yeah, I'm good yeah. that, he, that he went. But yeah, Welcome slightly unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, mate, you, you're so good yeah. in the Bundesliga, mate. Well you just come here and see yeah. see how you fare. You to know, snap your legs in half. <laughs> and he was lucky. No, in all seriousness, though, he was very lucky that he, yeah. you know, it's sort of like the Richarlison's studs sort of scraped off his shin. If it had been a more, I don't know, you'd mm-hmm. say robust tackle, because that makes it sound like it was a good tackle. It could have been some serious consequences. But I, really, I mean, was I really, it- something. I think we're as Arsenal fans. You might have yeah. been about to say we're, we're slightly more. Uh, sensitive to these things, perhaps because we've seen it happen with Eduardo and Ramsey and DRB, mm-hmm. and we know just how horrible these tackles can be. But yeah, I really did. I really didn't like seeing that. Um, but as you say, I guess it does happen. But I'm glad at least one of them was penalised for it. I mean, in in any case, that, that both those those tackles and the and the red card and and the controversy contributed towards a brilliant sort of demonstration of, of the Premier League in general and the Merseyside derby and how Everton are going at the moment. You know, they're flying. Mm-hmm. And normally the Merseyside derbies are quite tight anyway, but this was a real sense of, right, Everton are, are matching Liverpool. And even if Liverpool were slightly more dominant, well, yeah, well in went from, from, from yeah. Everton. Yeah,
1: and also, I mean, imagine all the fans... Um, Aggadison Park yesterday, it would have been oh,
0: it would, uh, with all those incidents. It would have been absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, you're quite shame, right. But it was a great game. It, it is a shame, and it's good that we can still have great games like that without fans. And obviously, it's not the same. But I think yeah. you know, at the in this current time. It's, it's better than nothing. Absolutely. Anyway, if we've covered everything on that, we'll move on to to Chelsea Th- Southampton ending three three, which obviously as Arsenal fans we love to see. Great game in the end, obviously another goal fest. I, every Saturday it seems there's the because obviously they're spreading out all the games to maximize TV coverage. But the twelve o'clock, twelve thirty kickoff and the three o'clock kickoff are just. Shit, like goal after goal after goal and maybe it was in the end as we said worth the 14.95 obviously I'm, I'm not going to say that I watched it by illegal means I do not approve of that but I did manage to catch some some of the game so yeah let's let's briefly chat about that you mentioned Timo Werner finally I, he scored against Spurs in the in the Carabao Cup but this was his first Well, two Premier League goals, and they were great goals, actually. Real striker's instinct. Kai Havertz looking really sharp as well, I think. He's starting to get into his groove. And as you said previously, defensively, looking all over the place. I know Thiago Silva was out yesterday. And uh, their new keeper, uh, Eduard Mendy. But Kepa, what a shocker. Uh, A nice stat floating around. In In the three games he started in the Premier League this season, he's made three errors, leading to direct... Yeah, leading to goals statistically speaking he was defined as the worst keeper in the Premier League last year and he also coincidentally is the most expensive keeper in history so yeah what do you make of Chelsea so far they've obviously spent a hell load of money a lot of their players are starting to integrate you know we see Ziyech come on yesterday Chilwell's starting to play Tiger Silva's played a bit Werner Havertz and Pulisic you know they're still very much taking shape but In goal and central defence, it remains a bit of an issue. So, yeah, what what do you make of Chelsea? It's it's an interesting one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned um, Chilwell and Pulisic in there who've just come back for, for Chelsea from injuries and obviously Chilwell's first couple of games. I think they will make a big difference creatively, you know, because I think actually when I've watched Chelsea this season, they've obviously got goals in them, but they still sometimes look a bit disjointed. They haven't quite worked out with Havertz and Werner yet. And even if, even if you look at Werner's goals yesterday, he kind of created them for himself. Yeah, um you're quite right. And I feel like he actually hasn't, he's looked a little bit lost. They haven't quite worked out a system that really suits mm. him quite yet. Um, but obviously it's going to take a bit of time. Um, Havertz and Werner both look like, you know, world beaters for the future. But I think, yeah, they, they will take time to settle, but that obviously creates a lot of pressure for Frank Lampard. Um, he's a new manager, but he spent a lot of money and... Um, we all know what Abramovich can be like. I think he will stick with Lampard a little bit more than maybe other managers because of Lampard's reputation. But mm. um, but obviously, they've spent all this money in the summer, but they've still not fixed that defensive issue. Was it Zuma and Christensen at the
0: back? Zuma and Christensen. It just doesn't really instil a sort of a uh, sense of security, does it? I mean, even with Rudiger or Tomori or even Thiago Silva to an extent, they've got a, a, a collection of centre-backs. I mean... Not not dissimilar to Arsenal's in the sense that you know there's some very competent defenders there who on their day can look very you know pass the eye test but at the same time so liable to a to a a lapse of concentration a, a big mistake it just doesn't look that solid and you think well maybe Lampard sort of. Compensating in an attacking sense, he's, he's just gonna go for it. And they do have the firepower to do that. Reminds me a bit of Manchester United. I mean, although their defense should yeah. be better, but you know, they're sort of not building from the back, maybe. Um, they do have the players for the future, you know, fullbacks Reese James and Chilwell are very promising. Yeah, um, but yeah, that centre back position is is still the uh the challenging one. Um yeah, but I think but yeah. Was, yeah, I mean yeah.
1: Everyone was bigging up Chelsea before the season started. Everyone was very excited. And I think, you know, for good reason. I wasn't but, worried. I wasn't worried. Yeah, no, me neither. Because if you look at Premier League history, how often is it that you've had teams going on these massive spending sprees and actually mm. going on to win the title the next season or even no. succeeding? Take, look yeah. at the most successful signings in the last few seasons. It's when you've already got a solid squad that settled in. Yeah, And you have absolute big buys. You have, you know, Van Dijk, yeah. Alisson... Who yeah. just complete team and they come into a subtle yeah. team and add that something extra. Chelsea are trying to compile a broken team and just have a yeah. good fix, and take time.
0: Um, exactly. I think, they were yeah. I think it's I think it's important to note there as well uh, when they went on this this spending spree during the summer. The the common the common quote from all the signings you listen to the Havertz and Werner and and, and all the big signings interviews. They sort of say, I was sold by Lampard on this three-year project. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's unreasonable to expect. You can you can argue, well, they've spent best part of £250 million. They should be winning the league this season. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's realistic because of how good I'm Liverpool and City that. are. It doesn't work like that. And so there is a bit of an unfair pressure. And we do forget that, you know, Chelsea had a transfer ban for a while. They, they've they sold very well. So they were sort of overdue spending, I think, and Abramovich backed them. But, you know, this is a team who over the next few years, perhaps not this season, they should definitely get closer on paper to, to Liverpool and City, which I'm not sure they'll do to the extent to which maybe the spending would suggest. I think they're very much going to be in the, in the battle for top four, as opposed mm-hmm. to like making up ground on the top two. But over the next few years, I think we can expect to see them properly going for it. And I do think come next season, season after, if Lampard can do it, I don't know if he's the right guy going forwards, but I I think he will get the time and he does deserve the time. He did a great job last year, to be fair. Um, But I'm I'm not overly worried about them because it is going to take time and they've spent a lot of money, which gives Lampard a bit less of a margin for error in a way that is more pressure, even if he's going to be given more time. But... You know, I'd like to see Chelsea, you know, some of those big players. I like the idea of having good players in the league. You know, Ziyech, Werner and Havertz, even are all very exciting players. Yeah, yeah. You know, as long as it doesn't come at at a cost to Arsenal, then I'm all for Chelsea having a go. And I'd quite like the idea of Lampard doing quite well at at Chelsea. It would be slightly different to, you know, previous managers doing well there. Mm. Uh, It's a work in progress, which I quite like. It's quite funny sort of seeing Kepa in goal. Leaking goal after goal, and it was a bit like and Arsenal, Southampton, actually. yeah. And yeah. Southampton scored three times, which is great. I quite like Southampton as well. Danny Ings, Che Adams, they're gonna score goals. Theo Walcott as well, looking absolutely brilliant yesterday. I'm sure, uh, for, for the listeners, uh, Akas wasn't one that wasn't a massive fan of, of Theo Walcott back in the day. Why, no, that's not you, no, I, that was someone else.
1: No, I would say that you know, yeah, no, I would say that. I mean, I, I think like oh, all of and Very frustrated. Been frustrated with Walcott, to say the least. Yeah, um, yeah. But you can't, you can't take it away from him. He, he scored every goal for Arsenal. Mate, um, yeah, exactly. And on the wing, I think maybe. the problem with Walcott is always that we expected him to be something that he's not. Yeah, everyone thought yeah. he'd be Henry, he Took the 14 shirt, and it, yeah, it, it wasn't going to happen like that. And he actually yeah, do some big moments at big times, and had tons of injuries. And yeah, I think you actually injury. have to look at it evenly and think. He, did, he was a threat as well for a long time. Um, I think was. across Europe, clubs would think Walcott was a threat in the Champions League, the pace. Um, Absolutely. And he did get
0: goals. So, but yeah, it's a, no, it a mix. I, I, I completely agree. Um, I'm definitely on the side of, of sort of seeing the seeing the positives on Theo Walcott as much as he frustrated. I don't, you know, a player who who racks up nearly 400 appearances and scores over 100 goals for us. I don't think, I, I don't like to be negative about that really. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we are yeah. touching upon Arsenal, so let's get 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 into it. Let's thrash it out. So unfortunately, we're not celebrating really today. Um, we didn't break the ducks against Man City at the Etihad. We now, I think, it's now 26 or 27 games uh, without an away win uh, against one of the stereotypical big six. I think in that time. Yeah, I can't remember the exact stats, but the stats aren't, for a, aren't pleasant reading. Uh, Finished 1 0, I suppose. We remained in the game right up until the very end. We did have some chances. I was listening this morning. You know, we recorded, I think it was 13 or maybe 11 attempts on goal, which is better than perhaps you'd normally anticipate. We could have had a penalty very easily. Uh, Saka was creating all sorts of problems for City. He looked brilliant yesterday. We looked defensively and, and structurally, tactically quite sound overall. You know, obviously, City, I thought, were very sharp yesterday. Mares, Bernardo Silva, Foden, Sterling, all just looking so dangerous. Such, I think, how I described it yesterday, all such wrangly customers. They just like r- <laughs> wriggle and wrangle around you. They're so like low centers of gravity, really tricky customers to deal with normally we don't fare very well at the Etihad and um, we didn't get a point to show for it so it was slightly better in the same way that when we went to Anfield we might have lost 3-1 but we could sense it was slightly different we were in the game which is very different to perhaps before but I just wanted to get your initial assessments on some of the uh, the details of the game so the lineup came out it appeared finally Aubameyang was going to play through the middle. Then Willian obviously ends up as a as a false nine esque figure. Thomas Partey on the bench, which I sort of was expecting to be fair, um, and yeah, Abamyang on the left, and we know how well it worked against Manchester City in the FA Cup semi final, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really seem like it's working at the moment. So, do you have any thoughts about those things? The way that Arteta well, set yeah. up initially. I mean, I I think overall you could say that the William project then. It didn't didn't
1: work yesterday. But I think you know, like we're we're far worse sides, um, man for man than City are. And if you look at our yeah. results, big results against Liverpool and City that uh, we've won in the last few months. I feel like it's always come from a little bit of tactical genius from Arteta by taking a risk, by like yeah. spotting little sort of weaknesses in the opposition side. But yeah, it's hard to repeat those mm. repeat those kind of patterns of play every time because they work it out and um i don't know we were in the game i think it's it feels a little bit more disappointing just because it was quite similar to the liverpool game in a sense where we were on the back foot we were kind of slightly dominated but in the game but didn't quite show enough um i think especially in that second half we got in the ball but we just didn't didn't really have that, that kind of creative spark which mm-hmm. we have been missing all season um yeah. and i think yeah we were solid at the back and a lot of people have been crying out for that on these away games just to be a Absolutely. bit more sit in no. but then now everyone's wants that kind of push forward to be braver um it's it's very tricky it's very tricky and i think well it's it's good yeah. size
0: but um i think for we're, as arsenal fans we're very used to to enjoying the attacking threat that we pose and know we're so used to those sort of players and we we acknowledge the fact oh well we're not very good defensively but at least we can compensate with that on in in the final third of the pitch and it's almost a bit of a role reversal now and I think it's perhaps even more frustrating because we have Mm -hmm. really on paper the players who can can really hurt opponents. And I was I was I was the lineup encouraged me yesterday in the sense that it looked as if Arteta was Normally in these big games, for example, he'd go for the niles over Saka. Mm-hmm. He'd normally go for Lacazette and not Pepe. And this time, you know, he tried something new with Willian, which safe to say I don't think worked. And as you say, maybe he he thought he'd seen something, but it didn't quite work. But yeah, we we, we did match them quite a lot. But they would, the difference was that they were just excellent in that final third. And they had players who could... Pick the ball up from deep, take on a man, fizz it into the final third. Um, they had that connection between those parts of the pitch, which, as you say, we 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 we're starting to see that we're really missing at the moment. Um, but I suppose, in, on, on the other hand, it is a positive sign that the general consensus, or at least the sort of reaction that I've seen, is that fans, even Arteta the players when we lose games like this now that there's an almost an annoyance a frustration that we know we're capable of, of getting something from these games like we did, albeit for the, the opponent's dominance against, you know, when we, when we beat Liverpool and city towards the tail end of last season. Um, but there's a frustration.
1: You can forget. I mean, like you, if you remember that, that win against Liverpool at home in the Premier League, we, we were very, we we (laughs) played last, we were uh, getting dominated and, um, yeah. Actually, it was the way that it had set us up to press, you know, have a targeted press on Van Dyke and Alisson, um, that we got our goals. And we had we got a bit of luck. And yesterday, we didn't get that luck. We didn't finish our chances. And on another day, we'd all be praising Hale or Setter. Like, it, exactly. didn't, it didn't go our way yesterday. But that, that's going to happen against the big teams. Um, it is going to happen. Eight times out of ten, against City and Liverpool, away from home, we're still probably going to lose. It's just whether we can compete and have a chance and see mm. that there is some hope going into those games mm. because so often we've gone into those games and I'm just, in the last few years, it's just, it feels, you know, like a foregone conclusion and that is the worst thing. It's very um, demoralising.
0: And, and it's not demoralising. I don't feel, yes, I feel slightly frustrated because of, you know, we've seen City's weaknesses this season. We knew that De Bruyne was out. We've showed that we can do it against the big sides. All this, all this background buildup of, can we break the duct? Thomas party arriving. That the context would suggest that this was the time to to go to the Etihad and maybe play and and really lay down a marker. And perhaps this was a a, a slight reality check. You know, Arteta feels that he has to do something tinker quite quite specifically to have a chance in a game like this and it shows that the team is perhaps not at the level where we can we can really turn up at the etihad and play this free flowing sort of football because i i just don't think we have we have the team or the established connections in the team to do that and i think thomas party will will grow into becoming a, a very important player in that sort of search for cohesion from the midfield and towards the attack but i mean bekayo saka yesterday i thought was absolutely brilliant the way that he received the ball into feet and would drive past opponents you know drawing fouls he was really unlucky not to score he was he was constantly on the move his defensive work as well i mean all round he was just brilliant i mean gabriel was very good at the back as well yet again i thought albeit for a few shaky passes but i thought he was very solid we just missed as you said that that creative force that the cutting edge in the final third the, the guy who's going to take the ball and carry it up the pitch alike to a Bruno Fernandes and it it, may, it does make me quite jealous at the moment we don't have that player who will take the risk in the final third and and you know we've got I think the, the closest we've got to those guys are are Pepe perhaps and he's not quite that player but Saka who who will bring the ball and try and create but we don't have a Bruno Fernandes type player who will just he'll risk it in a way that Alexis Sanchez used to, in the way that Aaron Ramsey used to. And and it's slightly frustrating when they lose the ball a lot, but we just don't have that in the squad at the moment. Um, no. And it was, you know, it was a reflection upon our team played very well. I mean, very solidly yesterday, everyone did their jobs really, but we could not maximize the threat on paper that is posed by Pepe and Aubameyang. They were so peripheral. I've started to see Aubameyang looking a bit, he looks almost slightly frustrated on that left wing. He's not really getting the ball. We haven't seen, though, he's, he's, you know, we're slightly surprised that we haven't seen any frustration, but he's just sensed it in his body language um, over the last couple of games. He's just not involved. He has no touches, no attempts on goal. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, or is there is there an, any argument against starting Saka on the left, Aubameyang through the middle, and Pepe on the right in terms of having our most dangerous and creative, direct attacking threats on the pitch, leaving, for example, Lacazette and Willian on the bench who are more of the structural guys who will, who will do a job for the team. Mm-hmm. Do we just need to go for it? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, to me to me, that sounds, at least in the
1: attacking sense, just more balanced. I, I, I think playing posi- players out of position, it, it can work for individual games, but in the long term, yeah. working as a fluid front free, getting to, to know each other and having those kind of little interplays... It's a lot better when players know their position, and I think yeah, Saka has definitely proved his worth this season so far. He's been uh, incredible, and also I think you'd say he's almost certainly our most creative player, the one who has mm. the most spark, and also has a goal threat as well.
0: Has a on the basis of last threat. year, you know, he was our top assist. Great, yeah. like, he's a guy who is yeah. our, the creative fulcrum of the team in a sense. And
1: he, he's actually the out, out of William, Pepe, and Saka. You'd say Saka is the most mature in terms of yeah. um, how he uses. How he gives it and goes, and how he mm. chooses his passes.
0: Such it, clever I find use it strange, of the ball. But
1: Willian and Pepe sometimes can be extremely wasteful. I think William was yesterday. It's unfair because he was not in his position. Um, yeah. But yeah, Saka. I think, I think almost because he's young, he kind of he's he's I think very conscious of how he uses the ball. He's he's very much been drilled into him, um, and I think yeah, he's he's been really good. So I think I would like to see him start on the left. I mean, I think mm. you saw yesterday. That teams are maybe working us out a little bit with the on the left. It was it, it was too easy that you could just put Walker right centre back. He had him in his
0: absolute pocket. It was it was a shame, but Walker was just <laughs> unbelievable, so dominant and quick. And he always seems like that against us. To be fair, yeah, and I would have liked us. I think
1: we we sometimes do look a little bit rigid in the pitch. We could have maybe made that front three more fluid. You could have shifted the Bamyang maybe to the right, perhaps to the left, just for ten minutes of the game, just to cause a bit of confusion, see if their left side of the fence can deal with Aubameyang and his pace. Um, I don't know, I think we could... I think if you listen to Arsene Wenger, he always speaks about how he'd stand on the side of the pitch and he was never shouting. He'd always wanted to let the players have the freedom to be spontaneous on the pitch, which Arteta is kind of the opposite of, and I think that's fine. I, I do like the passion he shows. But you would say that sometimes if... Things aren't going exactly as Arteta has planned. Do we have those players who are going to take on a bit of responsibility and produce something out of nothing, produce something that, that the opposition is not expecting? Um, and I'm not sure if we have that right now.
0: Mm. And is it perhaps a case of, look, as as much as anyone, I think I, I like the idea of starting Pepe and Saka with the Bamiang down the middle, primarily because it would. Sort of have on the pitch these guys who who do have that capability of producing something special and and being spontaneous in the final third and perhaps you know a, a word that I've 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 heard used is like jeopardy. There's a bit more risk in, in the final third, and as you say, it's so regimented and and structured. And perhaps look, maybe Arteta is you know it's it's very easy to to look at it, and I think maybe it's it's a very valid interpretation of it is that Arteta is perhaps too regimented he's trying to create that perfect goal with the, with the with the movements and you stick to your position and that's it and like you say he's shouting from the touchline and stuff but maybe it is a case of beating that into the players mm-hmm. first and foremost yeah. laying those really solid foundations and it might not be pretty for a while and maybe he he wants to build a team who has have that as their base. And then after that, you start developing the more expansive attacking patterns and, and you work on it because, you know, we say that it was great, obviously, Menga giving the freedom to the players and letting them do what they want. And, you know, I think that went on too long and maybe maybe that needs some some, a bit longer term correcting. But I do agree with you, I think. I think if we had a creative sort of link to the to the attack at the moment, it wouldn't be such a problem. And I, th- even though that's not party's main game, I think he will definitely help move us up the pitch quicker. Take a bit of risk with his passing. But yeah, I I, I completely I know where you're coming from. But yeah, so what go do you on.
1: think about you? you suggested Saka on the left wing there, but do you not think that he could play in the middle as a kind of cam? progressive? I definitely.
0: Th- I I definitely like. I long term, I think. You know, look, we've seen Saka over the last year and as much, he's been great pretty much everywhere he plays and given he's 18, but he's looked at his most dangerous and efficient. And I feel like if we're going to maximise his potential most at this moment in time, I think it's down that left-hand side. And I would like to I think he is capable of playing that that inside left sort of free eight role. If we were to transition into a 4-3-3, which a lot of people seem to think that is Arteta's goal or a 4-2-3-1. But having those three sort of central-ish midfielders, I think Saka, I could definitely see him there. But he he does have to be, I think, on that left-hand side because he's so good at linking the play down that left-hand side. Um, his final ball's excellent. He poses a goal threat. But yeah, I mean, look, at the moment, I think Arteta is still working out. He doesn't have that midfield. And once party, I think once party establishes himself in this side. I think we'll then be able to know more clearly what our what our strongest front three is because at the moment it's almost as if it's it's dependent on or how the rest of the team set up. You know, it's like you play Lacazette and Willian if you don't feel like the rest of the team's solid enough because they're going to do a job structurally and tactically, but. At least yesterday, he he went at least with with Pepe, which I sure. thought was good. He deserved it, I think, after his cameo against Sheffield United didn't really come off for him yesterday. Yeah. But I do think Party is the, uh, I mean, no pressure, mate. But he is the guy who who's going to come in and and hopefully quite quickly change are predictable, as you say, the patterns down the left. I think it was sort of been found out now. And I think party being able to come in, hopefully opening up our threat down the right a bit more, moving a centrally and allowing Saka to sort of have and Tierney to have that free reign down the left where it doesn't have to be so regimented and strict. It can you can you can rely on their quality as players uh to do a job down there.
1: No, I was gonna say though, do you think we're putting too much pressure on Party? Is he going to be that transformative player that we all are expecting.
0: I think, yes, there's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, not not unfortunately. That's what happens when you pay 50 million euros for a 27-year-old who has been playing for Atletico Madrid in the Champions League for the last two years. He is an, on paper, and I think it's obvious to everyone, he has an automatic upgrade in our central midfield area. And... I think I don't think it's too much pressure because I I think he's a player who 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 is used to it sounds stupid, but he's used to being a, a a good player, and so I don't think when you when you sign a good player like that, I don't think the idea of too much pressure should come into it. Maybe it will, but I'm really hoping that he's a guy who, you know, he can come in and he's an automatic upgrade. Whatever he does, it's probably going to be a bit better than what we've got at the moment in terms of the benefit for the whole team. Anyway, look, we we've lost. We've lost against Liverpool and City away, and that's and we've competed at least, but nothing to show for it. Perhaps we were slightly too cautious, but maybe that's just where a sign of where the team is at. And I think more importantly, a reflection of where we might be at in the next two games, Leicester at home, Manchester United away, which in the context of now look absolutely massive. Because you think of our last five games, prior to that, you'd probably say from... Liverpool, City, United away, Leicester and Sheffield United home. To get nine points out of those fifteen, you've done pretty well. So if we were to if we were to maybe beat Leicester and Man United, which perhaps more markers of where we're at. We've made you can tell we've made progress against against Liverpool and City, but realistically you're not really expecting wins yeah. from there. But yeah, any final thoughts about, about the fixtures coming up, um, about the game in general, how Arteta, we've talked about how Arteta set up, but yeah, any final reflections of where Arsenal are at on the pitch at the moment?
1: No, yeah, I mean, I agree. And I think I agree about the, these fixtures coming up. They're a better a better marker of where we're at at the moment. And I think you'd also say, though, that there's more pressure coming into these games now. On the back of the, these two defeats... Duke which... <laughs> they are the which you might expect and the decent performances but if we then go on to lose to Leicester at home then you know the fans will start you know um, being riled up well, a little bit Well, uh,
0: and, and I think a really important point to make so I to jump in there is that whilst there's there was pressure to sort of do a bit better against Liverpool and City and I think that's good pressure it shows how far we've come it's pressure in the sense that Arsenal is expected to to stay in the game and then take advantage of any mistakes or breaks or anything like that. When we're playing Leicester and Man United, who are supposedly more at our level, it's like it's a it's a different game for for the team and for Arteta. He can't, I don't think he's gonna set up in the same way. He's he Arsenal rest. should should be Arsenal should be putting the game, taking the game to United and to Leicester. And I don't know if we'll we'll do that. But yeah, as you say, a lot more pressure to be the protagonists and make a bit of a statement in these games. Because as yeah, as we both agree, this is an indicator perhaps of where we're actually at at the moment. Because Leicester are, are, are looking quite good. United last night, and we'll move on to them briefly now. United looked very, very sharp going forward, which you know we're just not we we, we don't have at the moment. And but we need yeah, the
1: points as well we need the points. Um, as well as we do need the we, points, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> we need to rack them up.
1: That race, um, because we don't want to be falling away too way, way too often early in the season. And you know, it's it's the, the table looks nice actually at the moment. Um, no one's really mm. pulling ahead too far, and mm. there's a lot of competition in there. But we don't want to start languishing no.
0: further down the table. Um, Absolutely. As well as and I, you know, moralizing. Yeah, and I think you know this whole not winning away for. What 27 games or whatever, how and we said this before the City game, obviously. And the longer it goes on, the more sort of important it becomes. It's going to break, you know, we're going to do it at some point, but you think if we when are we going to do it? Could we do it against Man United? You know, we've got that Leicester game, we've got a few Europa League fixtures in the middle, just in terms of maybe getting some minutes into certain players. Um, Arteta's got a bit more time to be fair. You know, there was the international break, so. How long did he actually have to work with the team that he knew was starting um before the city game? Obviously, I thought David Luiz was great yesterday, but or, or pretty good. Um, holding obviously injured in the warm-up. But, you know, the next few weeks, he's with the squad. Everyone's pretty much fit. Party's gonna become integrated. I think it's a really big two weeks um in the Premier League, at least for Arteta and and the progress we've made coming up to nearly a year of his of his um of his management and we can all see the progress but it's like well, well are we at that stage now where we can push on and signing Thomas Partey for 50 million euros would suggest that we maybe should be anyway let's move on briefly to Manchester United um, ran out 4-1 winners yesterday Newcastle late flurry of goals could have perhaps been more after Fernandez shockingly had, had a penalty saved. I mean, it's not shocking that United got yet another penalty. Um, and he also got a brilliant goal ruled out. I don't know if you saw that one. You probably saw a match of the day if you watched it. Um, but in the first half, uh, Mata was judged, I think, slightly offside. And Fernandes took it up on the on the left-hand side and absolutely planted it from about 20 yards into the top right-hand corner. Um, but Rashford was looking as sharp as I've seen him for a while um, okay. Bruno Fernandes, typically excellent, was just so forward thinking. Can't help but envy, as I said before, having a player of his profile and how much that would that would help us out at the moment. Um, but yeah, general thoughts on United, you know, they weren't full strength in a sense, it was a surprise to see matter start, but you know, they had Pogba on the bench, they've got Alex Tellers and Cavani to come in. Maybe who knows if they're strengthening, they do strengthen the squad. Greenwood was out yesterday. Um, Martial suspended, and obviously it was a disaster last week against Spurs, and now looks pretty good again. What are we making in the same way I asked you about? What do we make of Chelsea? What do we make of Manchester United at the moment? They are dangerous going forward. I think they'll have rubbish periods, perhaps in the season, or poor games, but they've just got so much up top. I think they're, they're, they're dangerous. What do you reckon? Yeah. No, I mean, I th- I, I do think United's team is actually very
1: strong and. I think there's really there's no excuse for Oli now this season. I, I think if you look at the players they've got up top Rashford, Martial, Fernandez, Cavani now, Greenwood, and more, you got Matt on the bench as well.
0: Van de Beek,
1: Pogba, even. Van de Beek, yeah, and I mean, that midfield as well is pretty strong, you'd have to say. And they've spent all this money on defenders and Maguire. I think Oli's got a he's got to prove his worth now because um, we've seen, we've seen patches from United last season and when Oli first came in where they've looked really strong and really, you know, mm. actually quite exciting to watch going forward. But you start to question, you know, with their inconsistency, is that down to Oli? Does he just have a good group of players and then they have a good, mm. you know, few games and they're kind of a confidence team. I don't know. I think, um, the Tottenham loss was pretty devastating, and that is the kind of game which starts to set in motion the kind of mm. process of of a sacking. And so I think, unless absolutely United really get on a good run of form, I think Oli is in, in danger. Because um, mm. I, I think is if you're going to actually take a manager out, it's probably this kind of time where it usually happens Um after kind of ten games or so. And I, mm. I think I think he might be, you know, under threat. Sense. Look, and
0: and and I think on on that uh, speaking to a few Manchester United fans, and, and just the general vibe I get, I don't think Solskjaer is the guy who's going to lead Man United to the title. I, I just don't think he is. Having said that, I do think he's a guy who can who can, as he has been doing, overseeing a bit of a cultural transition away from where Man United went wrong. He's instilling some of the the core values about what it means to be a Manchester United player and I do think they have enough to I mean they absolutely must finish in the top four this season that's a non-negotiable and if they weren't to do that then obviously Solskjaer should should go I do think he's that they I, I think unless they have for example Pochettino lined up and he's going to come in and they've got someone ready to come in I, I think Solsha you know if they had lost yesterday, and then they lose to PSG on Tuesday. I would have said right he's got probably about a couple of weeks to really turn it around otherwise he's gone. I do think yesterday given we saw pretty we saw some pretty good attacking football. They were pretty good yesterday United to be fair. And given the context of you know just this weird footballing uh, disruption that we've got. I don't think Solskjaer's job is necessarily on the line right now but I do think as you say a couple of bad results down the line and he really could be looking at uh, or forcing Manchester United to make a decision but I think they'll try and stick with him for as long as possible because I don't I think they can see and I can see to be fair the benefits of having him there I don't think he's the guy long term but I think he, he he can be a useful sort of screen for them to sort of Keep doing what they're doing, in a sense, and he does get a, a. He lets those attacking players do what they want, and he's got the players at his disposal to let them do that. And they're very, very dangerous and exciting to watch at times. But yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: it's quite, it's quite satisfying in a way when you, before the season, you've seen Chelsea and United kind of predicted to be shoo-ins for the top four and challenging for the title. Yeah. Well, it's such and, a mix, it's, yeah. I mean, you know, if, I, I thought actually if. If either team was going to do that go and kind of push the top two, it would be United just because they're a settled team and Solskjaer's been there for a few years now, um, yeah. it's almost three years I think, and he's got such a good forward line. You would have thought yeah. that maybe, he could. and you'd think that United should be pushing, pushing now for those top two, um, and that's why I don't know. I, I I almost wonder whether we should be thinking is Solskjaer the right man. Um, and I, I think Pochettino is the obvious. Oh, I agree. yeah,
0: I agree. I I think uh, they they whenever and I think it it probably will happen um, unless Zidane leaves uh, Real Madrid or something like that. But Pochettino at United, I think, really long term, he's the guy who would win them a title. Um, I, I don't think they'll do that under Solskjaer. Anyway, enough about United. Boring United. Um, just before we finish up, let's have a quick preview of the champions league and obviously european football returning so back to united actually playing psg on tuesday um a nice sort of circular obviously that was the game that sort of gave solskjaer his 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 united his permanent united contract um sort of set them in the motion of of their, their good first spell under him we've also got atletico bayern this week tasty liverpool ajax tasty city porto very nice Chelsea Sevilla. So, some lovely looking clashes as there always are there. Anyone you're particularly looking out for in the Champions League? I think the United PSG game is going to
1: be, it's going to be, should be class. Yeah. Um, Cavani, they,
0: perhaps involved. Well, maybe. yeah.
1: Yeah. Actually, that will be a great story, wouldn't it? But um, just the, the attacking talent on the show. Yeah. Great
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: and also, I mean, it's, it should be fun watching Mbappe
0: running at Maguire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Being poor guy that. to be fair I, I like that he got a goal yesterday he's had a tough no, yeah, time um, but it, oh. he is just quite funny and, and I'd love to see him you know I was as much as I was sympathizing with him yesterday I kept saying to the United fans I was watching the game with I just love Maguire to sort of score an own goal that would just be hilarious <laughs> Um but yeah uh, there's some good clashes to look out for and then Arsenal in Europa League action we've got Rapid Vienna at the, at the lovely, prestiged uh, slot of 5.55 on probably BT Sport 3 on Thursday, pretty much afternoon. Um, so, yeah, we'll see a rotated side, I'm sure. Probably maybe get some of the returning players from injury. You know, you've got the likes of, well, Mustafi and Callum Chambers, which is fun. Very, very uh, exciting. Ale- Ale- Alex Runa Runison, perhaps with his debut. Uh Cedric Suarez fresh off the back of his under 23 appearance against Manchester United. And then we've got Kolasinac, I guess. Uh the other, the other guys, Maitland Niles, El Nenny, and Ketia, look, God, it really does get your blood get your blood pumping, doesn't it? Um, but at least we've got a big squad with with a lot of options. So we can expect to see some rotation. And you know, all I want to see in that game is us. Winning it by a landslide and the peripheral guys getting some minutes under their belts, and perhaps people who maybe should be breaking into the team or, or challenging having some good performances. Um, but I don't mm-hmm. know if we'll see Thomas Party. I think he'll probably be safe for I, the Leicester game.
1: I, I wonder, I was going to say actually on that point, I, I can, can imagine a kind of uproar on
0: Thursday night when you see Party. Mm. But yeah, yeah may, maybe you do give him a half or maybe you do give him an hour and then you take him off and then you start him against Leicester on, on Sunday I think it is um, but yeah maybe he does need some minutes having said you know I'm, I'm going to completely turn around what I just said I expect him to feature on on, on Thursday to some extent yeah. but we we shall see it's going to be a, yeah another good week of football obviously next week we've got Leicester I think it is on the stupid 14 pounds ninety five pay per view on Sunday evening at seven fifteen, which is just great. Um but I'm sure we'll find a way of watching that, albeit we're paying money or not paying money, obviously. Pay the money. Anyway, we're gonna wrap it up. Thank you very much. ACAS Max to our listeners I'm sure you'll be back on the podcast in no time at all it's great to have a nice chat with you second nature to us really didn't really feel like we were recording a podcast to be honest (laughs) no not at all not at all it's just like the old days to be fair
1: it's been a good excuse to actually have a little catch up on Arsenal and all things yeah exactly Um, exactly
0: but yeah I look Um, forward to coming back Absolutely well we'll definitely get you back on at some point uh, because I'm sure that as listeners would agree you you, you provide a lovely little uh, perspective into arsenal and football in general and anyway to, to to all my all my loads of loads of thousands of listeners uh, we'll be back I'm same in. time next week um on on Tuesday at six o'clock um, Your feedback would be much appreciated if you are listening and want to get involved. If you're a football fan, Arsenal fan, whoever, send me a message. We can definitely get you onto the show. Send me your thoughts, questions, anything else on Twitter. All links will be found in my Mixcloud and Fresh Air descriptions. And until next time, take care and see you next week. Hutchison, stop by Platt. And here's Steve Bold, And it's Adams. Put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up.